Yeah. Can you see the countdown? Two, Let's do this. One. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. We're still getting this live thing down, Bruce. Uh, I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I am doing okay, Bruce. I got a new mic here. We'll see how this works. Uh, like those. I, I want to welcome everyone here uh, uh, who's turning in now, hopefully, to... Uh, you're probably as deflated as we are right about now. That was a really tough loss. Heartbreaking and backbreaking at the same time for the Edmonton Oilers. one nothing to the Winnipeg Jets. In, in a game that I honestly felt the Oilers outplayed the Winnipeg Jets um, and deserved the win. But that's not how hockey works. It doesn't go that way. It goes to the team that outscores the other team. Any general comments, Bruce? Oh, uh, yeah. Frustrating as all get out, David. Uh, that was that was such a, a a tense, intense game to watch, and it was you know the order started out very poorly again, and Mike Smith held them in for the first um, uh, ten minutes of the first period, and then from there on the Oilers stabilized, and I thought generally thereafter took the game to Winnipeg pretty hard for the most part, and Winnipeg just hung around and hung around and. Hellebuck hung around and between um, various uh, uh, parts of various Jets' anatomies, pucks weren't getting through, passes weren't getting through, shots weren't getting through to the net. There was a couple of miraculous shot blocks by Winnipeg defenders, number of great saves by Hellebuck, and an utter inability by Edmonton, Edmonton, Edmonton shooter, shooter to get a puck up under the crossbar, which is where this guy is most vulnerable. And I don't think they got a shot. It didn't seem to be that they got any more than halfway up the net all night long. And If they could have got one right up under the bar, I think that's where they can score on this guy. But they just weren't getting their shots there. Yeah, they got to put it up high where Mama keeps the cookies. Mm -hmm. Did not happen, Bruce. This is our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast and why don't we segue right into your good thing because it's kind of what you mentioned um the uh, the um change in the game dyma dynamic after the first period what's so what is your good thing yeah it's it's basically how is how edmonton snapped back from that from that uh brutally slow start uh we had it by our own count of scoring chances grade a scoring chances six to one for winnipeg in the first period including five to zero and what was it, the opening seven minutes, maybe? Yeah. Eight minutes of the first period? Uh, yeah, 13.28 was the fifth one. And that, you know, six minutes and 30 seconds into the game. And from there on, uh, it was one-to-one -one for the rest of the first period. Oilers outchanced the Jets six-to-one in the second period, six-to-two in the third period. And officially, we had a zero to one in overtime. Even as Edmonton outshot the Jets four-one in overtime, but of course the one, uh, and it wasn't even from a Grade A position. But because Mike Smith couldn't see it, we did award it as a Grade A uh, opportunity and a uh, a goal because uh, Edmonton's two defensemen couldn't do what all the Winnipeg guys had been doing, which was block the damn shot. And Instead, what they did was block their goalie's view of the shot. And what a shitty way to lose that game on a goal <laughs> like that. You know, at least you'd like, need like a good clean goal. And I guess it was clean. I mean, it was a shot and it went into the net. But holy moly. Yeah. Junk, I, I, junky goal. Yeah, I knew it was coming because I, oh. I had to take a break. My wife came home with the groceries. I had to put away the groceries for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So... I took a. I had to take a little break there, and by the time I came back and I looked at the score, it was one nothing. And I, my, I, mm -hmm. like honestly, my heart just felt broken in that moment. I just, it was just brutal, brutal. Bruce, um, my, my good thing in this game is Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, mm -hmm. He he led the team, and he he just played great. He brought his A game tonight, and. Um, Right from the start, you know, he he came out and McDavid came out. They were playing well, and they 
Darnell nurse for a couple outside shots on their first shifts. And his first uh, grade eight chance, he, he gets the puck out of the air and he, he gets a little breakaway in on Hellebuck. And Hellebuck, that crafty guy, the goalie, the goalie we've never seen before, but the other league, the other fans in the league are all too well aware of. He poke checks, uh, drive settle in tight in the first period. In the second period, um, he sets up nurses. Nurses charging into uh, the Winnipeg, and it's a great end-to-end -end rush. A little bit uh, towards the end of the second period, takes the puck uh, all the way down the ice and kind of spins and puts a shot on net. And this was probably this is like in terms of like moments where like you're just wishing the Oilers had better puck luck. Got to break somehow jabs at the puck and then it further and to the side a little bit and yes a pulley rv comes in and gets it absolutely like it's just how did he not score kind of moment for both on that seat but they didn't score how uh stopped them um the next one he he um it's on a i think it's on a four on four and he does kind of a drop pass to mcdavid who sets up barry puts it on the off the goalie's mask and um, next we come, his grade A chances all come on the power play after that. Finally, Bruce, he gets off what I, his, his, his slashing one-timer, which I call the and dry and somehow Hellebuck gets um Chance where he could put it in and he couldn't he couldn't um, get it over uh, Dylan DeBallo. Couldn't find the twine. And shortly after that, though, on the five on the five on three, Drysdale another executioner shot and just a great Hellebuck's pad is just firmly on the ice and stops Drysdale's blistering uh, shot. I thought Leon was going to score. I thought he was going to break through tonight. Not to be. Not to be. They would score too. Like he, I thought he had an outstanding game. Very fine passes, smart plays. Uh, I thought that he, uh, uh, you know, played a sound defensive game. Won some draws on the penalty kill when they always had to kill a couple penalties early in the game. Uh, had a good night in the circle, uh, twenty and twelve for uh, team best sixty three percent. But it. Yeah, just couldn't get it. Bruce, let's move on to your bad thing. Are you ready to go on that? Uh, I'm getting an error message here, David. Oh, I still see you. What does it okay. say on your side of things? It says, your computer is not allowing Riverside to record. Please refresh to continue recording. Oh, That's not good. Okay, uh, well, refresh your screen there. Yeah, I've done that. I just now? Okay. Yeah. Refresh. So you, that means you have to kind of shut it down and then come back, Bruce, to the same yeah. link. Okay. Go to your email and uh, see some. We're waiting for Bruce to return. You there? Yeah. Are you back, Bruce? You're back. Good. Okay. Sorry, folks. Boy, that was a. Let's see what the hell happened that time. If that was Skype, we would have been uh, fried because uh, you're just done. But hey, yeah, I'm there. Okay. Well, hopefully the recording will work. But uh, in the meantime, we got a live audience to uh, make even unhappier than they are already with the way this is going. But what can we do? All right. People are saying they can see us. See us. Good. 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 Lots of, <laughs> lots of, lots of unhappy comments. Uh, Louis Houle says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and hoping for different results. Tippett is borderline crazy. There we go. Uh, which which same thing? Like he he last game he put uh, McDavid and Drysaddle on separate lines. Tonight he put them on the same line. So that's not the same. Uh, I mean he he did put them together in the third period the other night after they fell behind and he stuck with that, but. Uh, Skylark says, leading scorer, second leading scorer. This is very embarrassing for them. 
Ah, geez. I mean, Drysaddle had such a great game. I, Connor McDavid, he has yet to break through. He's yet to have bring his A game in this. He, he came closer that game. I would say that's like his B-plus game. Uh, he was in on four grade A chances, but uh, I don't think, you know, might might be nice for one of the help out a little bit. Okay, Bruce, what's your bad thing? Yeah, bad thing. Uh... Do you want me to go? Yeah, you go first. Sorry. Well, since people are mentioning Tippett's lines, I I, I didn't. I I like the there's the first line was fine. Like the first line, there was a there was a period where Shifley's line was outplaying them in mid uh, first period to mid second period. I'm th- starting to think, what's going on here? But the, but the McDavid line came on, it had good moments early. It was strong throughout and was was you know I just it just started to feel like the Oilers are going to score in the third period. They're going to win this game. And that was largely on the backs of McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Pugliarvi. What I didn't like, Bruce, is when you when you go to that line, and he, he's got to know this, Nugent Hopkins, is it's you're asking too much of Ryan Nugent Hopkins to be the driver of a line. He is not that. I mean, he had some good moments on the PK, uh, three clearances, but Cahoon, RNH, and Yamamoto, you, who thought? Like, they didn't have that great success in the regular season, Bruce. That that wasn't a line that outscored, and they played mainly against the Vancouver Canucks. I think they had one good game where they looked good against the, you know, a, a banged-up, injured, demoralized Vancouver Canucks team. What were they thinking? Did they? I guess maybe they were thinking that the RNH line will hold them even, won't allow a goal against them. That's, so that's what happened. Maybe that's what they were thinking. We'll just win this mm-hmm. game on the backs of our first line. I don't think they needed to change the lines after the first game. I, in fact, I was, I was relieved when I heard earlier today, a little misdirection I think from the orders that the orders were going to keep the same lines. I thought that was a good idea. I thought those lines could could come through and help the orders win this game. Um, so I don't obviously the, the, that top line is great, but like why not even put Yamamoto on the top line? That's the eighty-one percent solution. Eighty-one percent goals for at even strength this year. That that group thirteen goals for three against with Yamamoto with Drysaddle and McDavid, and put a bigger player at least, Puliyarvi, who is more of a puck carrier and more of a driver of the puck himself, with um, Nugent Hopkins and Cahoon. So at that line, it doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense to me, Bruce, frankly. And and uh, so I'm I'm a little down on the coach for that. I also didn't like they 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 benched McLeod, Cahoon, and um, Chase on in the third period, shortly in yeah. the third period, and then they didn't play again. They didn't play for about twenty minutes, and then they got out there, and they were they, they weren't responsible for the winning goal against. In fact, they almost scored the winning goal when McLeod set up Chase on, but he was too slow getting off his shot. I don't really. I, I guess I'm okay with him playing that line because it could have been a long overtime, and you you, you could run your players into the ground, but. I'm not sh- like why bench them that long and then play them. Like what changes? Yeah. What changes, Bruce, in that moment? As everyone's getting tired, or is what changes? Everyone's more fatigued, so that's what changes, and you put them out there. But I don't. That was kind. I'm gonna put that in the iffy category. But I think it was just a plain mistake to go with the Nugent Hopkins line as formulated in the, uh, to get to get it done. To, to do the heavy lifting when there's. And that's, I think that was on the coach. Yeah, James Neal got some time with those guys in the third period, I noticed. I haven't that's had a bad. chance to look in depth at the uh, uh, at the uh, amount of time that he played there, but I did notice he got some shifts there. Oh, and it was, yeah. it was like uh, Cahoon got, um, uh, got tied to the bench and uh, McLeod did. Uh, if Chase on did it was uh, it, it was uh, after the power plays uh, uh, because he was involved in the power plays and uh, uh, one of my bad things from this game is Alex Chase on's bad hands. You know he he had some nice chances that uh. all he needed was contact with the puck in tight and chances were pretty good. It was going to go in the net and his hands let him down. Uh, two or three times and good chance. He was in the right place, which is something he's very good at doing, but he could not execute uh, a, a tap in or, a, you know, a shot or whatever. And it was uh, uh, not Alex Chason's finest hour as the oiler, as an oiler. No, 
that that after that drive saddle shot he was just stymied in the, the that first really great one timer he was he mm-hmm. was in the slot with him just stymied here's from steve dillon who says mm-hmm. quote the team played well two games in a row and lost because of a few weak goals let's hope the hockey gods even stuff out and i'm not uh crestfallen bruce i think they could easily go into winnipeg and win the next two games um the, the oilers have been slightly i think they were they were slightly the better team in game one and i think they were were the better team in this game so just keep that up and maybe you'll get some wins in winnipeg where, where you need them because it's it's come down to some some uh freaky goals and um things could easily bounce back fast so i'm uh I have some faith that they're gonna they're gonna get some wins. <laughs> you just never like you know it's close enough that you can't be you can't be certain of anything, but uh, have had the slight edge in play. So um, this is Chicago series last was just so unbelievably horrible in so many ways where they were playing a clearly inferior team and they couldn't beat them. These are two pretty good teams and two very close games that have been decided mm-hmm. on. As Steve Dillon says, uh, some weak, weak goals. Okay, Bruce. My second bad thing is Barry's defensive play tonight, Bruce. And um, I'm just, I'm just a little alarmed that a veteran player makes so many mis- mistakes. And um, the first one came where they were just really lucky not to have a goal against. This is probably Mike Smith's best moment or one of them. It's off a face-off in the first period. Mm-hmm. And the Oilers, the, the puck goes to the side and Barry gets it. It's on his stick and, and he kind of, it looks like he's going to pass it to Nurse. And then all of a sudden he doesn't pass it and he kind of half takes the man, but he doesn't really take the man. And Nurse is kind of then caught out because he was expecting a pass. And the puck's all of a sudden off a face-off in your own zone when you were... You're, you one, have a defensive a one structure. A one a face-off. Face and you have a defensive structure and rested players and everyone knows their assignment. And a, a moment later, their most deadly scorer is in front for two breakaway, break-in chances, Kyle Connor, And... How Smith stopped the second one of those is, well, Connor didn't take enough time to, to ice it. He had more time than he thought, which is why I think he was so upset with himself. But that was on Barry, largely, and Nurse to some extent. Um, we move on, and um, later in the first period, there's a breakout. This is the four-on-four situation when the Oilers had... It was just before a power play was to start for the Oilers. Kara was coming out of the box, and the Oilers had three forwards and Barry on the ice at that moment. Dreisaitl, RNH, McDavid, and they all kind of, a, they're all partly culpable, but Barry does his starfish. He's deked and cop gets a dangerous shot on net. Um, in the second period, I think this is then, yeah, the second period, uh, about halfway through, Kyle Connor, he breaks in and we get uh, Tyson Barry playing the Matador defense, waves his cape. Uh, Kyle Connors by him and gets a really dangerous backhand shot on Mike Smith, which Mike Smith saves. Finally, um, late in the second period, just actually uh, about three minutes to go in the second, they break in again, the Jets, and break into the slot, and Barry allows the pass, uh, and there's kind of a, a scrambly play. I think it's again Connor shooting, if I'm not mistaken, and, my, and um, Mike Smith makes the poke check in the crease. So these were lucky these weren't goals against. He's lucky that he hasn't been out there as the main culprit on two or three or four goals against in this series based on the quality of the chances that he's allowing as a defenseman. And um, Like I heard he was a good player. I heard he was going to crank it up in the playoffs. And uh, I'm... I, I, thoughts yeah i hope to see it next game oh. yeah i can i hope to see it next game too there's a few things i hope to see next game a freaking goal would be nice uh, for the starters <laughs> Jeez. all right what is your next bad thing bruce well it's got to be the game 
what I refer to as the game losing goal against from the other team's viewpoint, the game winning goal. Uh, but uh, it was, this was the goal that uh, uh, put Winnipeg up 2-0 on the ser- in the series, and it really was a pretty much a nothing play. Uh, it was um, the uh, little-used McLeod, um, Cahoon, Chase online in the offensive zone, and uh, uh, Chase on was in the corner, and um, Cahoon also committed up into that corner, and neither of them was able to prevent the breakout pass that brought Winnipeg up the ice. Uh, Ryan McLeod, he did uh, take a pretty good defensive position, and he kind of turned it into a three-on-three. Chase on went for a change. Uh, Cahoon caught up in the neutral zone, overtook the defenseman who might have jumped up into the rush. And Paul Stastny pulls up by the boards, and he just lets fly an outside shot, and... It goes, I think, through the shin pads of uh, of um, Dmitry Kulikov. It may have ticked one of the pads on the way through. And it goes right through the screen of Adam Larson, who I don't know what he's doing standing right in front of the goalie. Like, he's not really covering a position. He's not covering a man. Uh, he's just blocking out the sun, doing a great job of screening the goalie. And Smith was deep in his net and a little bit off his post. And whether the shot was deflected or I just think he just didn't see it until it was right in on top of him. And by the time he reacted, it was by him and in the net. And just some poor defensive structure from your shutdown defensive pairing to, you know, those guys are those guys are there to play defense, to stand up and, and play the shooter. Uh, not screen their own goalie, and now this is two games in a row where a very routine-looking two-on-two rush has resulted in a goal against because of uh, of um, just either miscommunication between them or I think the one yesterday, more of that. Tonight it was just a matter of if you're going to get in the shooting lane, block the damn shot, and it didn't get blocked. So that was the game, and... Uh, now they're really up against it. What do you think their chances are, Bruce? Uh, what is it, about 80% for the team that's up to nothing in a series? Yeah. Uh, so 20% is, you know, the flip side of that. Uh, I think off of what I've seen that... Uh, um, you know, they've been carrying more than their share of the play, but now they're going on the road, which is, you know, on the season, they've been good on the road. They won four out of five games in, in Winnipeg this year. Yeah, yeah. And 19-7-2 and overall, I think tied for the best road record in the league. Well, now they're going to have to do it on, you know, back-to-back games Sunday and Monday. You know, you got you, obviously you got to win one, and ideally you win two games to, to come back in the series, but it's a tall order when you've got... Uh, uh, when you're relying on a small number of core players who've already put up a horrific number of minutes, right? Yeah. So, they, even they... tougher because uh, apparently interference is now not a penalty in the NHL. Wow. Uh, uh, there is lots of interference from the Jets not called all game mm-hmm. long. Maybe that was just as bad from the orders, but I noticed when the Jets were doing it, particularly, and then that play where Pugliari was hooked in the slot. Sheesh. Some people are saying there's lots of suggestions about putting Bouchard in the game. Daniel Fick, Dan Ficka says to think Bouchard mm-hmm. is sitting for these D. And then Norm Camp mm-hmm. says free Bouchard. It's that simple. And I have to admit that thought, watching Tyson Berry, that thought occurred to me. Um, well, That's not going to be happening at that's this not, point. That is not going to be happening. And I, I understand. Like I, I, I've had some interaction with Dan Ficka. I know he likes young players and he doesn't seem to like veterans very much at all. But, uh, you know, coaches like veterans. They have their reasons for liking veterans. Tonight there may be a couple of reasons for the coach to not like a couple of his veterans. And I'll be surprised if we see the exact same lineup for game three. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, um, it's a... Uh, uh, the, the likelihood of Tyson Berry, the top-scoring defenseman in the league, who did have some good offensive moments in this game, I thought, uh, on the cycle and and so on, like that five-man unit really started dominating play in the in the uh, second half of the game. Yeah, and they had a huge advantage on on shot shares. You know, uh, 
for uh, Barry, 32 to 21 in shot attempts, 18 to 12 in shots on goal. And, you know, that, I mean, they, they carry the play when they were out there. And, of course, a lot of that credit for that goes to the forwards. But the fact is that that five-man unit, the fact that all with the puck is a huge part of what, uh, what leads to the pressure on the cycle. And I don't know. You could uh, you could play that game a few times over, and I don't think the Oilers will be getting shut out again in a, you know another trial. But they got shut out yeah. tonight. Wouldn't be surprised to see, see Devin Shore and mm -hmm. Tyler Ennis get in. I just mm -hmm. I'd love to see a spot for Bouchard, but I don't think he's better than you know he has his own defensive struggles. Right? It's just it's yep. just not it's not going to happen unless there was an mm -hmm. injury. I thought Ethan Bear was fine tonight. Mm -hmm. And um, Adam Larson was fine, except for on the winning goal. Um, he played a strong game. And t they're not going to take Tyson Berry out. So no chance. Can't, He's played can't 58 Bouchard. straight games. You're not going to take him out now. I mean, you're going to no, live and no, die no. with the guys that brought you here. Exactly. Wouldn't be fair to him. And, you know, you ask Connor McDavid, hey, you want to take out Tyson Berry and replace him with the guy who played 12 games or whatever? And he'd say, not a chance. They're, they're going to be confident that they're going to do it. And Here's a suggestion, Bruce. Mm -hmm. Tyler Ennis replacing Neil. Someone saying Ennis, Kara, and Archibald were great this year. They were. That was the nitty-gritty dirt line. Yep. And they had some really good games. And I, and I could see Ennis and, and Devin Shore getting in the game. And maybe Cassie and, and Neil. Like, I'm, I'm not sure that you need to... They got a score. Yeah. And they got a score. And... Maybe Cahoon might come out for Ennis. Um, that might be a possibility. And maybe yep. Shore would come in for Cassian. Cassian, um, he's not getting it done, Bruce. And this is this is two games now. He's He was out a month. This is two games. Didn't get it done. Didn't Zero shots done. in the series. Yeah, I, I Zero would, shots. I, we talked would, about this throughout the year, how he yeah, doesn't would, get shots on net. Yeah, I would sit him. And uh, if it was me, that that would be my mm -hmm. call. Put in Devin Shore. He's a he, and put in Tyler Ennis. Maybe for Cahoon would be. How about Haas for McLeod? Haas for McLeod as well. Ryan McLeod. They can't trust him. You can trust mm -hmm. Haas because he he's strong defensively. McLeod's not mm -hmm. getting much done on the attack. Haas is better on the PK. He he offers more, and he should be in the game at this point because the the moment seems a little too big for Ryan McLeod. If I, like he just okay. he's fading right now when when he's got to rise up. And let's see what Gaetan Haas can do. So maybe we'll get to see all three of those guys come in and uh, replace players who, who haven't been killing it. I don't think Chason will come out. He's just too in integral to the power play. Uh, and I wouldn't... I'm I wouldn't, sure. Ho I hope he doesn't come out because I just think he is a really good power player. And, and he it, it hasn't clicked yet, but it sure could. And he could be a big part of that. I'm sure reading lots of criticism of Chason's power play in the uh, in the comments here. And I'll simply make the same case that I've made before, that the Oilers power play three years in a row, three years in a row, the guy, the the uh, best goals for uh, on per per sixty minutes. So the, the the power play scores at the best rate when Alex Chason is on the ice. Three years in a row. And you know. He's best at the, I mean, he's not the main man on the power play. Don't get me wrong. But when he's out there, they do better than when James Neal is out there or when Yesipoli Arvey is out there. And maybe that's going to change in the future. And I, I, I have high hopes for Yesipoli Arvey's role on that power play in the future. But uh, Coach likes his veterans, and he likes his veterans for a reason. And, and Chason brings lots of good to the power play. Unfortunately, great hands is not one of those things. If he had great hands, he'd be a $6 million player, David. He's had good hands sometimes, Bruce. Like, it's not sometimes. like they're terrible. It's not like he can get it down. and Yeah. So there's a Depends lot Depends on uh... the night. Some nights they got it. These are, a lot of these big guys, you know, they have, you know, these, they're, they, they have... Um, you know the fast twitch muscles are going fine one night, and then the next night they they just look kind of awkward. And that's certainly yes. uh, Alex Chase uh, on. But yeah, a comment from Yessa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we we've, we've been hella fracked. I'll I'll say it that way. Hella fracked. Uh, uh -huh. We have been. Let, let's move on. Let's that just goes to my number, Bruce. Okay. So my number is one out of twenty.
the Edmonton Oilers have so far had 22 grade-A chances on Connor, Connor Hellebuck. They've scored one goal. Usually on 22 grade-A chances, and a lot of these, I didn't, again, I wish I'd totaled up the five alarm chances. Like the, like the grade-A chance has about a 25% chance on average of going in. So there's going to be some 20%ers in there, some 30%ers. But the, the five alarm chance is 33% chance. And the orders had all kinds. They had five or six or seven five alarm chances tonight. Usually you get 22 grade A chances. You're going to score uh, five or six five goals. Five or six goals, Bruce. Mm -hmm. Five or six freaking goals that we're missing right now. He's been the difference. And this is what we were worried about, that we hadn't seen the real Connor Hellebuck in games against the orders. And now we're seeing it in it. Freaking well, sucks. He's not this good, David. He didn't have a 0 0.50 goals against <laughs> average this year or any year. You know. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. We've seen the cold guy. Now we've seen the hot guy. I want to at least see the guy in between that's, you know, potentially beatable. I mean, he's been first star two games in a row. So that's so. Uh, Amer says. Good. Amer says, smashed my re remote control. Thanks a lot, Oiters. What a letdown. Shakes, uh, SMH shakes my head. Is that what SMH is? Yes. Yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's not some horrible, dirty thing. Nope. Uh, <laughs> not yet, no. If you look it up in Urban Dictionary, you'll probably find an alternate meaning for it. That'll uh, <laughs> curl your toes. Reg Buffett says, Chase on has no hands, Dave. Come on. And CB says, let's be honest. Pulley has never been given an opportunity on first-line power play for an extended period. Can't compare him to Chase on or Neil. Which is a fair comment. And Pulley RV will be on the, probably on the first unit power mm -hmm. play. E either in Nugent Hopkins spot next year or in Chase on spot. We'll see. But I, I suspect he will be in. Chase on, when it comes to hard plays on the net on grade A chances this year, best player on the team was Alex Chase on. These are, these are the tips, jams, screen, battles yep. won, hard charges in front of the net, like the dirty work. Best player on the team was yep. Chase on. And the second best this year was Yesipuliyarvi. Parent for that role, and I'm not against mm -hmm. him being there, but you just can't argue with with the. I don't think you can argue with the statistical analysis you just you just gave that uh, on the best power play in the NHL, it functions at its highest level when he's part of it, yeah. and that's not a coincidence. If you watch these power plays, go Three over the replays and again and again, you will see what he does. <laughs> he is he's like a machine. And, you know, I just think he opens up that passing lane consistently for McDavid to hit Dreisaitl because he's always there. He's in exactly the right spot. It was like, remember when, we, like, for years we would see Lucic out there and he'd be at the side of the net? Yep. Like, what I are you sure doing do. at the side of the net? And Not Chase screening the goalie. <laughs> yeah, Chason is there. Like, he he, mm -hmm. he is a big part of this. Anyway, I think we've made our, made our argument. He had a tough night tonight, and I'm, he you did. know... I, I, like what he brings, but tonight he didn't bring his best game, and that's you know that's why I singled him out as a uh, as a uh, uh, as one, his a, performance as one of my bad things. I gave him a four out of ten. I, yeah, maybe it could have even been a three, perhaps. But uh, you know the effort's always there, so I give him credit mm -hmm. for that. Bruce, yes, what is your number? Is. Uh, I'm gonna actually going to go with a string of numbers from uh, uh, defenseman Darnell Nurse who in not much more than a regulation 60 minutes, because this game was decided after four minutes of overtime, uh, he played 32 minutes and 53 seconds, literally over half of the game, uh, with an average shift of a minute 15. Uh, he led the team in shorthanded ice time. He led the team in even strength ice time, 2746. He led the team in shots and shot attempts with six shots on goal, 12 shot attempts, a uh, couple hits, couple giveaways, three block shots, and by our count of uh, contributions to grade A, scoring chances, five, four, two against. And Darnell, who I didn't think had his best game in game one, played his heart out in this game. I thought he, I thought he was, he had an excellent game. Even, even those two scoring chances against, they were both on that those two Kyle Connor chances after Barry kind of sucked him out of position. He, he saw Barry looking to tap the puck to him and he peeled out of the lane to receive a pass and then the pass didn't come and then there was nobody left to cover the front of the net. But uh, he, uh, 
uh, he charged the net and had a, a two or three really good chances. And I love the one where he came in from behind the goal line and pulled it out onto his yes. backhand and tried to go to the far corner. If he could have got that up a few more inches, it was in. But he hit basically hit Hellebuck's glove. Uh, you know, uh, he put it inside the far post, but he just didn't quite get it upstairs. But, uh, uh, you know, defenders, they don't necessarily work on roofing backhands from the edge of the blue paint. So he didn't quite make the play but you know he made a he made an excellent play he just couldn't quite finish it and he i thought he was strong and he played a ton and he did everything he could and just wasn't their night but uh he he uh he sure puts up the crooked numbers he's a very proactive player and jumping into the rush which he did constantly and into the cycle he must have skated about 30 miles in this game he weighs 115 pounds right now jt says 38.27 kilometers my bad <laughs> jt says uh nurse was a beast and mm. Bruce, i have just discovered something that i am able to uh if you're a commenter if you're a commenter and you are making obscene comments about uh oilers players and um i i figured out now that i can block you and whereas bruce is gentle and doesn't block a lot of people that is not my game i block people who are rude and make obscene comments so i've already done so so just the most of you guys everyone the uh, men and women are who are commenting here the Oilers fans are commenting you're outstanding i want to make that clear uh, yeah. it's a great conversation but there there is a few commenters who are just here to troll and to make obscene comments and you're out of here if when i see you so you've now had that warning it's late on a friday night and the Oilers just lost a very disappointing game in overtime and they're there might be one or two people in there who are at least two sheets to the wind by now, just guessing. And so sometimes that contributes to it, but poor behavior. I mean, let's, 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 we're Oilers fans here, people, and, and uh, uh, say, saying, you know, nasty things or, you know, truly obscene things do not forward the conversation in any way. Kazami says it really doesn't the Oilers number. And I disagree. Oh. I, I think, uh, yeah, I I don't think a the Jets do, the Jets are lucky that this should be a this split. should be a split. But yeah. This should be a split. That would be fairness, but that's not how the hockey gourds work. So let's let's suck it up, but let's also not lose our heads and think this has all gone bad. It hasn't. This again, I don't have anywhere near the feeling I had against the Chicago Blackhawks, where it just things were just out of sync. Um, the defensemen weren't playing well. Nurse never came close to reaching his potential. Clefbaum and Larson weren't good. Bear struggled. This defense is actually playing pretty well and limiting the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you know, well, they got speaking. three real goals in two games, right? Yeah. So this isn't. This isn't. This is a really good Oilers team right now. And and it should be one one. And if it was one one, we wouldn't be freaking out like this. So. Uh, <laughs> JT says, wish the Oilers could block as good as David. Laugh out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Bruce, what moves would you make, if any? Yeah, I'd be tempted to switch a couple things up at, uh, up front. I mean, um, I think Tyler Ennis is, a, is one choice of, you know, a guy that does actually bring some offense that the Oilers clearly desperately need at this point. I mean, the bottom nine didn't come very close to, to uh, creating a whole lot tonight. And if they're going to do all their eggs in the basket on the first line, it might help to have a guy or two who can, who can break through down below. So he's one guy I'd be tempted to get in there. Uh, you know, they're, they're getting just, you know, I mean, obviously no goals from anyone, but the bottom the bottom lines aren't generating a lot a lot of shots and chances really and you know it's not that they're not playing hard they are yeah. but they're just you know they're just sawing off like and that's what Ennis can bring he, mm -hmm. he Ennis can bring that like he, he he creates chances out there he's not a great defensive player mm -hmm. and he's a smaller player but man he can he can uh dangle with the puck and create chances Dave Sawchuk says it could easily be two nothing Oilers. It's that. Well, yeah. That's a fair comment. Like, yeah, definitely. It could. So, yeah. 
This I someone had mentioned earlier, Bruce, about Tyler Benson. I wish he was here because I, I you know, I think he was ready this year. But anyway, that's didn't happen. So and obviously not gonna happen. Stick with the same defense, Bruce. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's hard really to say this player is, has stunk or not, you know. Uh, the third pairing tonight, they got lit up a little bit on, on the shot share. Uh, bear shot attempts 8-4-16 against. Actual shot 6-4-9 against. So, that, you know, slightly outplayed. But, uh, uh, again, if you want I mean, Slater Cuckoo, like, he's actually gotten involved in the offensive cycle a little bit and uh, jumping up into the play and making some things happen. So if you think Ethan or um, Caleb Jones could do a better job of it than him, that would be the one. There's not any real reason to to zoom Chris Russell into the lineup. It's not like they're leaking leaking goals against and and uh, that many chances against. What they got to do on Sunday is be ready for the start of the first period, guys. I mean, tonight they came out and the first 30 seconds were okay, and then the next seven minutes were a nightmare. And only after that did they start to to get it together. So that you know, but that's not a change in the lineup. That's a change in approach and readiness. And uh, Dave Tippett has his work to do in that department. Uh, the um, I would keep Cuckoo in the lineup. I thought he's been playing mm -hmm. really well. He's just been. He's looked all right. He's looked fine. He got he got once. Cop got in behind him on a pass. But uh, he's been very solid defensively, and um, I think he's a bit more reliable at Jones at this point. And he's not a bad puck mover. He's not as good as Caleb Jones. You know, maybe they want, maybe they're going to try to get more offense and go with Jones. But I don't think they're going to make that change. I'd be really surprised. Chris Russell's an interesting thought, but I think they like would prefer. Uh, I don't know if he's healthy for one thing, and I think uh, right. Cuckoo's uh, bigger, and he's he's a very reliable player. I've been. I, I didn't know. Uh, much about him coming in. I think he's earned another contract. I, I've liked his play a lot, and especially if the Oilers lose a defenseman in the expansion draft. So, well, Bruce, any uh, final comments that you have tonight? Any final thoughts? I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the uh, uh, credit the comment to the person who said the curse is uh, Dave Tippett's beard. Uh, somewhere, somewhere in the comments, I came across it a couple times, but I, I haven't got the uh, uh, the right yeah. person for it. And uh, just to make our night complete, the Bakersfield Condors lost Game One of their best of three series against the San Diego Gulls, five to three. I wonder if Holloway played. That's that would be something I'd like to. Oh yeah. See. Uh, Dave M says, I keep thinking of how Glenn Sather led his. If Tippett is the coach the Oilers need, they played like a play to lose. Uh, I don't know. I saw a really, they came out a I little didn't cold see that. and shaky. Mm -hmm. They came out a bit tentative, but I yes, saw a team did. that was gone for it. And uh, really, in the final two periods, played fantastic hockey. I, I, just, was, I just was really happy with the Oilers. And um, they couldn't beat a great goalie. That's, that's what happens in hockey. <laughs> They'll uh, figure out a way to do that. Dave Sotchik says very first teams shift. playing great. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Bruce, go ahead. Very first shift to overtime. Immediately took the puck into Winnipeg in and we're all around the net with, uh, you know, several, you know, if they any kind of a bounce the right way in the slot, maybe they score. And I mean, it was just one of those nights. I mean, the play of the game to me was the one where the puck squirted out to McDavid in the slot on the power play. Everybody, like Winnipeg, is down low. The defenseman that's closest to McDavid has his back turned to him, Dylan DeMello, and he throws his hands up in the air. If it was football, he would get called for uh, for pass interference for uh, shading the receiver. But this is hockey. He throws his hands up in the air, and McDavid hits him on the on the back of the wrist. Right, it was all he shot it right over the entire pile, and Demello just had this idea: up oh, the top, of the net's open. I better, you know, incredible play. I mean, in retrospect, but uh, uh, 
that was, believe I mean, it, that Bruce. Was... <laughs> I couldn't Puck, believe that. Puck is never going to go in, is it? Uh, it? Turns out, yeah, you're right. It isn't. It's never going. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I just <laughs> was flabbergasted. Like, how did that? It's like that doesn't have. Like, that's one of the like. The, there's the grade A shots. There's the five alarm shots. And there's like, how the did that not go in? Kind of yeah. shots. And that's yeah. like that's, that's like, exactly the question I asked, David. <laughs> it's like it's like a seventy-five percent shot, mm. and fifty percent. As it gets for a scoring chance and backbreaking, well, heartbreaking, maybe not backbreaking, kind of backbreaking though, too. Actually, it just hurt. Uh, Alrighty, Bruce, do you see any comments? Anything, anything else? Is... Oh, I think I've gone through it. I'm just looking for the name of. Um... If you're looking for the guy who made that comment, you'll never find it because there's so many. No, no, I'm looking, for, I'm looking for our hotshot prospect, and I'm not seeing his name. It looks like he did not play tonight, Dylan Holloway. Yeah. Maybe they're just so, out of abundance of caution. That thumb isn't ready from the sounds of it. And... Yeah. Dave Tippett's beard. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really have anything to say. It's not something that I focus on. I wanted to see his mustache, but we never got that. See the mask. Ask Stark Sealer, who's been the most disappointing player this series to you guys? Well, I think that's easily Connor Hellebuck. I was I was hoping that he would be that 870 save percentage goalie that we're used to seeing. So I'm profoundly disappointed that he has not been that player. On the Oilers, it's Cassian. I mean... Um, He's not come close to making a useful contribution, and it's really disappointing. For you, Bruce? Yeah, well, he was. Most like his effort player. was good, but his effort was good, but uh, his, uh, you know, the end result wasn't uh, wasn't there for sure. So. Eddie C says Yamo has been disappointing. Uh, I would say Nugent Hopkins has been disappointing. He's just not. <sighs> If this is a contract drive, I'd hate to see what isn't a contract drive. I mean, he's just really, um, it's making me question, you know, the whole idea of a long-term contract, honestly, but. And yet, you know, Nuge, Nuge, of any order in this game, killing the second penalty in the first period, he made three different great plays in his own end. To uh, to win the puck and clear the zone yeah. and clear it down the ice right in a row. Three yeah. great plays, one puck battles. Took the puck, made a good play with it, got it out, got it down. Uh, you know he he's he's got game, but uh, his complete game is is not in evidence right now because the offensive part of it is really really shriveled up this uh, this year. It makes me worried going forward. I mean, he's leaving his peak offensive years and. We've seen what's happened to other centers like Turris and Duchesne. It's kind of a little bit alarming, Bruce, just a little bit alarming, I have to say. Mm -hmm. And we'll see what happens. I mean, he, he does have moments. He, and, I, and I still think he's a great complimentary player, can be. We just haven't really, hasn't happened for him this year. Hasn't worked out, even playing with players as consistently right. as, you know, with McDavid and Dreisaitl. So it's too early for us to get down in the dumps about this player or that player. This could change around fast. Just need a win on Sunday night and uh, and we're all smiling again, right? Well, that's right. And if not, well, we're going to have a longer offseason than we hoped for to talk about changes to the team. But, I mean, obviously what happens in this series and in these playoffs is going to inform us and is certainly going to inform Ken Holland and Dave Tippett and uh, Daryl Cates for that matter. As to uh, what uh, uh, what shortcomings are still there that are going to need to be fixed, and how they might go about it, and wh what they what they can do internally versus what they might need to look externally to do. So, and the good news is, Evan Bouchard, Philip Broberry, Raphael Lavoie, Tyler Benson, Dylan Holloway, Carter Savoy. There are a number of really good prospects. Um, Ryan McLeod, who are coming on here, and it's it's not like there aren't um, all kinds of players just waiting in the wings who could be who could be in the top four D or the top nine forwards. Um, 
some of them as soon as next year. So um, that's kind of cool. That's a different feeling than we've had on the Oilers. I mean, we've, they've had these, you know, super high draft picks. But they, I don't think we've ever had kind of waiting in the wings for a long time, this kind of this group of talented players. And if, if just half of them turn out to be uh, top 4D or top line wingers, top six wingers, um, that's that's and that's probably what's going to work out to be the case. That's well, it's still bingo for the Edmonton owners because they have all these other great players already. So, okay, I don't want to talk about next year. I'm not in next year country, Bruce. I'm in this oh, year no, country. Me, neither yet. This series is not over. It is not and over. This is this is far from a post mortem. It's a post mortem of a of a disappointing loss in the series. Uh, but they've lost two of the two games they need to lose two more and they need to win four more so obviously the odds are against them but uh it's not like winnipeg has wiped the ice it's not like it's st louis against colorado and you're you know you're just getting your ass handed to you each and every night that has not happened and as you say it's it's on the flow of play the series should at least be split and it just isn't so carry on win the next game and uh take it from there i think the oilers have a uh, 40% chance of winning this series, Bruce. Wow. I think they just need to get some breaks, and uh, they're going to get them. It's going to come. So that's my prediction. It's not a coin flip because Winnipeg, uh, the teams are even enough that Winnipeg still has the edge, but I, I like the order's chances. I'll say 25%, but that's a long way from zero. That is. Some people are saying it's over, but it ain't over. It ain't even close to over and we've it, it, this happens where teams can lose the, there is no home ice advantage right now in the playoffs for one thing mm -hmm. they're not going to have the sea of white in winnipeg they're going to have um an empty arena in 2000 like in edmonton in 2006 and players lost the first two games to san jose sharks 2-1 and 2-1 as, as i recall were the scores and they came back to edmonton i mean they started in san jose they came game three in triple overtime and it, right up until the very moment uh that they scored horkoff scored on a on a centering pass from a uh, minus a tooth ryan smith uh in the third overtime period and right up to that moment they were looking down the barrel of a sweep and from there everything rolled out to next basically four in a row after they'd fallen down. They won that series in six games. It's, you know, anything's possible in this darn sport. It's a, such a strange game, eh? It's uh, the game that best compares to it, of course, is European football, which is even more controlled by luck than hockey because there's that much fewer goals. But hockey's next in just a low-event sport where one bounce, one moment, one bounce, two screens on your two screens mm -hmm. of your veteran shutdown defenseman of your goalie and it's all over even though you've played a really great game and maybe deserve and deserve better so bruce yeah. let's uh <laughs> i think let's sign off now all right it's good talking uh, to you yeah thanks for listening everyone and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast <laughs>